Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. We are continuing on in the Gospel of Matthew. We're in the 16th chapter and beginning today on the 13th verse. Now, listen to this. There's some seriously good stuff here. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, you say, okay, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Tell you what's really interesting about this and uh, is where it's located, where it's taking place. It says that Jesus has come into the district of Caesarea Philippi on the northern end of the land of Israel. He's literally at the base of Hermon, Mount Hermon. And this comes into play when uh, some things happen right here later on in this passage. Uh, but I would really encourage you to examine uh, some of these things, uh, particularly uh, some writings by a guy named Michael Heiser, H-E-I-S-E-R. I mention him all the time. And if I have time today, if not today, tomorrow, I'll quote him related to some things right here. But having a proper geographical understanding about where Jesus was at this moment and historically what that place was and is, what the people of Jesus' day thought about that place, what the people prior to the time of Jesus thought about it, what that place likely is, okay? This is all very, very, very important. And generally speaking, we don't know it. So we'll get to that in just a moment. Jesus says, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? So he's asking his disciples, hey, who does everybody say that I am? (laughs) But I'm sure he didn't come across that flippant. Verse 14. They just told him forthright. You know, this is sort of, hey, this is what the folks are saying. And they said, some say John the Baptist and others, Elijah. But still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So there's at least five different things right here that people are saying he is. And you you say five. Well, John the Baptist is one. Elijah is two. Jeremiah is three. Or one of the prophets plural, so it could have been any other of the prophets that you have in the Word of God. Jesus says to them, verse 15, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. (laughs) Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Bar-Jonah just means son of Jonah, Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So listen to what Jesus said. He says, you're blessed, Simon, because you didn't come up with this in the flesh. And what other people said about this, about who I am, you didn't believe that. In other words, it's not a thing of man. This has been revealed to you by the Father. He says, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He's literally saying the Most High God has revealed this to you, Simon Barjona. Jesus keeps speaking. Verse 18. I also say to you that you are Peter, 
Okay, you are Peter. And the name literally means, it's Greek word Petros. <coughs> it just means a stone. Okay, a stone. And upon this rock, that word is Petra. And that is the idea of a, uh, of a large rock. Literally the idea of bedrock. Now, I think it's sort of important to understand the actual words that Jesus used here because there's big debate within the body. We'll talk about that in a minute. So he says, I say to you, Peter, that upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. So Jesus is telling Peter, it's upon this rock that I will build my church. So here's the division. Uh, the Catholic Church takes Jesus to mean that upon the fact that Peter is now going to be the leader, that Peter is the first pope. That's where they get that idea, that, if, that Peter is the rock. Okay? Uh, those of uh, Protestant lines say, no, no, no. That's not it at all. Uh, it's upon something else right here, upon the declaration that he made of the rock. Well, both of them are probably incorrect. I'll show you why in a moment. Let me read the next couple of verses. Verse 19, Jesus continues to speak. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then Jesus warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Okay? And you go, well, what is this, is this all about? Because this is something that, of a tremendous debate. This is where the geography comes in. Let me just read what Michael Heiser says about this. This is out of his book called Reversing Hermon. A really, really good book. You need to read this. Reversing Hermon is Mount Hermon. Here's what he says. He says, both these traditional understandings are incorrect. The reference to the rock is the place they are standing. Caesarea Philippi is at the foot of Mount Hermon. The apostate king, Jeroboam, built an idolatrous worship center there. You see that in 1 Kings 12. And the city adopted the worship of Baal practiced by the Canaanites since the days of Joshua in their city, Baal-Gad. And you see that in Joshua and Judges. In Jesus' days, Caesarea Philippi was also called Panias, having been dedicated to the worship of Pan. Heiser continues, When viewed from this perspective, the scene takes place on geography considered the gates of hell in Old Testament time, the domain of Baal, the Lord of the dead, and at the mountain where the plot of the watchers was hatched. You'll have to read the book and understand Enoch something about that. Hell, of course, wouldn't be complete without the devil. It is well known to scholars that Baal is the Old Testament counterpart to the devil. Heiser continues, this isn't about who gets to be Pope or not. It's a cosmic confrontation when Jesus, uh, with Jesus challenging the authority of the Lord of the dead. Now, here's where it gets interesting because uh, people really do misinterpret this, even when they teach it, even when they preach it. The next thing that Heiser says right here is so, so useful. Listen to this. He continues, The theological messaging couldn't be more dramatic. Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We often think of this phrase as though God's people are in the posture of having to bravely fend off Satan and his demons. This simply isn't correct. Gates are defeated.
defensive structures, not offensive weapons. The kingdom of God is the aggressor. Jesus goes to ground zero in biblical demonic geography to announce that Bashan will be defeated, evil will be defeated. It is the gates of hell that are under assault, and they will not hold up against the church. Hell has no claim on those who align themselves with Jesus. He will reverse the curse of death, and his own will rise on account of him. And that's a quote out of Michael Heiser's book, Reversing Hermann. That gives us understanding what's happening here. Jesus literally went to the gates of hell from the perspective of the people there, and I think maybe even now, there's a lot to this, and declared what? That the church is going to be victorious. Now, what is this thing about the keys of whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven? This isn't for uh, Peter to be able to absolve people. This is something else that's going on right here. He's saying, you know what? When you believe, if you're a believer, when you have the mind of the Lord, whatever you declare to be right is right. Whatever you declare to be wrong is wrong. I can look at somebody based upon the mind of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, and the word of the Lord and say, no, that's a sin. You need to quit that. It's that type of thing that's going on. He begins to tell his disciples about this, but then he says, hey, don't tell anybody yet that I am the Christ. Interesting stuff, no? Again, I'm Dale. Thank you so much for your time. I'll see you in the next episode.